Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a powerlifter, Highland Games athlete. I run Strength Guild in Topeka, Kansas, as well as the USSF. And, oh, geez, what else? Uh, Lift for Hope, my charity. There you go. So, um, And today joining us, we've got Donnie Thompson. So um, most of you guys, I, I should hope, know who Donnie is. Uh, first man to ever total... 3,000 pounds, and he did it at the ripe old age of, what, 46, Donnie, is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah 46. So 46 years old, um, and geez, I mean, your your bio is littered with uh, success from, you know, running a physical therapy uh, place in West Columbia, South Carolina, to your 3,000 pound total, and what you, what you get in from 2008 to 2011, you had a 2850, 2905, and 3,000 pound totals. Yeah, um, yeah. You got the, I call it the fever. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Man. I guess. That's a hell of a run. And uh, what, three bench press records, two squat records, three total records, eight all-time world records. Uh, yeah, that's, that's that's a pretty pretty uh, good bio there. So, Yes, it was a lot of fun. And I'll tell you, um, one thing that I always tell everybody, um, powerlifting is one of those horrible, horrible uh, addict-type, um, addiction-type uh, sports where – you're never satisfied. It's like, man, I did this, but I could have gotten more. When I totaled 3,000, I had cut it off. I was like, yep, satisfied. See you later. You nice. know what I mean? Yeah, so I yeah. kind of live every day. It's kind of fulfilled to me. You know what I mean? I don't I don't ever, you know, oh, I wish I would have done this, and I wish I would have done that. None of that stuff. That's good. That's good because, yeah. like you said, it is one of those addictive sports, and you see a lot of people that they don't find the end. And sadly, you see a lot of the guys that were good, and they, they go too long, <laughs> and they're still trying yeah. to, you know. Still, still searching for a total that's just not there anymore. You know, Phil, honestly, with a 3,000-pound even total like that, I mean, that's almost like win the lottery walk away. It's got to be a little easier to walk away, I think. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I don't know, though. I'm not a power uh, lifter, so. Well, listen, Lonnie, you are right. That is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that. It's, uh, it's, it's much easier to, to, um, to retire you know, from something you love to do once, once you achieve that. Um, I, I didn't know I could do it at first. You know, it's just one of those things where um, I got – to the 2850 I'm like man I think I can do more you know and so they kept their snowball from there and uh, had that back issue and it didn't sidetrack me at all I kept going and, and then that was it but uh, now it's a big one it's the hardest one all is losing this week holy <laughs> mackerel you know yeah <laughs> I, want, I want to look good again you know uh, Vasil Alexiev said um, the time to work on a physique is after you retire from your competition because but it doesn't matter how pretty you are while you're competing because yeah. the looks isn't going <laughs> to the looks isn't going to lift the weight for you, but uh, but when when you're done and you're you're done with competition, that's the time to look pretty. So I'm on the I, I am out, and especially since I saw that layout of you for the Christmas layout, like I want that. to <laughs> yeah, I, I want to uh, man, I can't wait to look pretty. You want to get you know? yeah. filled pretty? Excited about it? Yeah, exactly. You'll be able to put on a Christmas card like that for your new place. You got a, you got a new place opening right now, right? Oh, I'm, I'm going to go raw without the belt. <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Oh my God! Let's talk about your new place that you got opening up. 
want to talk about that? Yeah, it's, it's just a carryover. I did the, uh, I had my place called the Compound for 10 years in West Columbia or Columbia, and then um, I lived there in train air, a little bohemian lifestyle. And then I, uh, I left there and tried to do the house thing, and, you know, that's where I'm at now. And But I want, I miss that environment of the compound, you know. That, so we decided on a spur of the moment back in Christmas time, let's start this thing. So my friend and I, Neil Foy, we, uh, we invested on this and put all this equipment in here and trying to get it open by March 1st. And it's a power to see Jim, no, no doubt, but it's also strong that people are coming here, bodybuilders come here. So, you know, uh, you compete in something, you, you can train here. Yeah, that sounds so. a lot like what I got going on here, too. Yeah. Um, so you're going to open up March 1st. Let's talk a bit about, you know, I want to get into the, the mobility and rehab and, and stuff side of it with your, uh, you know, your YouTube channel and the Super DTV 3000 and whatnot. Um, yeah, I um, no, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, what what kind of started that off? What what led you into that side of things? Well, I uh, I was at Westside Barbell in 1998, I think 98, and um, Dick Hartzell was there, the rubber band man, and he was doing all this crazy stuff with bands, and I just caught my attention. All the other lifters, all my buddies like Chester, Rogerio, and then they were like, right, I, they stayed away from him because they were, you know, he they he kind of scared people all the flexibility stuff and. I was intrigued by it, you know, so he showed me how to deload his shoulder and all this stuff, and I'm like listening to him, and, and uh, he, he really turned me on to this stuff, and, you know, he's the inventor of the of the band, so, you know, he, he really knew a lot about that, and he uh, he had like two physical therapists working for him and stuff, so I really, uh, and it, that started it, and then I, uh, you know, kept in contact with him, and he would, you know, inspire you more and inspire you more, pretty much you finally could take care of yourself before the mobility craved it you were able to take care of yourself you know with some, with some issues where you didn't necessarily have to go to see your orthopedic surgeon every bump and bruise snap crack of pop you got yeah so <laughs> that was what I liked about it because I mean how many you can't even afford to do that you know oh, a lot yeah. of people especially when I was powerless I couldn't afford anything past you know two so I was uh, you know I, was, I had to fix myself yeah you know and that's how that, and then the technician, you know, I didn't realize how much I learned in my training partner was Mike Thompson. He's a PT and uh, he's in Chicago now. He runs NAS and the Strongman. And um, I don't know if you ever heard of him, so he, won. he, uh, he puts on the Strongman contests and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, he, he, uh, he, was, he listed with me, trained with me for like six, seven years. And, and he uh, got me this job at the physical therapy place. And, I went around teaching PTs and PTAs all this new stuff and a lot of strength stuff because they didn't know anything about strength. And then, uh, then it snowballed from there. Good stuff, good stuff. So let's get into yeah. some nuts and bolts of things. I, I want to talk about, um, so our, our audience can kind of relate back to this, get something useful out of it. What have you seen um, on the powerlifting side of things? What, what's the, the most uh, glaring problems most people have and how, how do you go about working with them? I like that word jacked up. You know, if you guys, you, Lonnie, you guys say that a lot. So yeah. you're in his, his shoulders jacked or his hips are jacked. <laughs> right, you know? yeah. So, uh, and it's not necessarily muscular jacked either, you know, because when you're dealing with these guys, most of them have the muscle and they're all strong, right? So they all bring that to the table. But, Matt, you, uh, the, 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 the one thing that you'll see is the, the, the upper arm bone, the humerus, is, like, always so forward in everybody's shoulder. And it's, uh, the power is some of them are, are back where they should be, but a lot of them, and their movements, press them forward. And a lot of the surgeons I work for and stuff explain to me what's going on. And they're just, uh, that, that, the head of the humerus is, is 
making the bicep tendon and the, the flesh around it raw. You know, it's just eating it out and fraying it and, and wreaking havoc in there. And they've got this pain and residual pain. And then, then the lack of uh, positioning when they do some of their lifts. You know, they're all over the place and, and it just wreaks havoc. And the other thing is their hips, man. Their hips are everywhere. And then thirdly is the ankles. And this is kind of a new thing now, but the ankles are, are really, really exposing a lot of issues. You know, there's uh, there's nobody, there's a bastard of, of all anatomy. You know, no one gives them any attention whatsoever. And I think ankles are the future. I mean, I think you're going to see a lot of, lot of attention brought to that. As so. in lack of mobility or stability or whatever? Uh, not, but yeah. A lack of care. No one's strengthening them. I'll give you a for instance. Yeah. Football, you know, I play, I'm an ex-football player, and we had our ankles taped every day. Uh-huh. Well, when when you study flexion on the ankle, and uh, it, you, you know you're going to have the, the run, when you point your toe, you know it's going to look flat across from the tibia on down, and that you know the foot, the ankle, will, the foot will roll in, right? But to the outside and pulling the toe up to the knee, you need, for a good bend lifter, you need 70 degrees of flexion for your uh, toe to come towards you on dorsiflexion. And then on the when your ankle pronates or when you uh, ebert your foot, you should have at least five degrees. And the, the, the science books say five to 15, but let's just stick with five, okay? If we can get that, we don't have any of that knee caving in stuff on the squats, rolling to the outside of the foot, you know? And then when we have flexion, we don't have that unbalanced thing where you have to reshift your weight when the weight gets stuck, you know, because you have no flexion. So everything's forward on your toes. You have to readjust and come up, and that's when your fists in your lower back say, hey, you're, uh, this is not going to work, you know, so um, it, when the ankles are a huge, huge problem, and I'm going to go with the same one further, I don't think the football players ought to tape their ankles, I think they ought to strengthen them so much they don't need to tape them, hmm. and wear a lower touch shoe, hmm. that's that's just my opinion, you know, so. And you've kind of seen that too in uh, basketball of late, the, the high top shoe going down, and <laughs> people going for a lower lower top, but uh um, well, if you need seventy degrees, if you need seventy degrees of flexion to jump, how in the hell are you going to do that with your ankle t- uh, taped at ninety degrees? Yeah, it's just, it's not going to happen, you know. So, so there's all kinds of all kinds of issues like that, and uh, you know, little small things. And if you can strengthen your ankle to, um, and Dick Arthur was on top of that stuff, and now there's like the stuff I've come up with really hits the ankle fast, and it's almost immediate results. And you don't, uh, and everybody has bands, so you can do them. You know, it's not, you don't need to buy a fancy piece of equipment. So, uh, you'll see that, 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 that and getting those hips straightened out to work are the big, big thing. I'm not talking about chiropractor, you know, which I'm, you know, I support chiropractors 100%. I'm talking about, you know, you need to set those hips where your pelvic bone is in neutral alignment and it's comfortable that way. You know, where we're going to jack again, you know, so those are some. You know, three issues, those three, and that's the ones I cover when I go places. Because that's the three that really take people out. You know, when we're when we're talking the ankle, is it is it one of those cases where um, um, the, the the thing that I learned about this, and I, I'm not saying that my knowledge is anywhere near yours, but one of the first things that I grasped was the uh, that our, our our joints alternate as we go up from the ground up. So the ankle needs to be mobile, the knees stable, the hips mobile, yada yada. Um, yeah. Would the ankle issues um, lead to hip issues and, and on up the, the, <laughs> the pyramid? Well, that's a, I mean, you would assume that that's exactly what would happen and, you know, we cannot sit here and say yes it would or no it won't, yeah. right? But the one thing it will 
if the ankle can't work properly, who's going to take the, the beating, the knee? Yeah. And, you know, we, we have so much ACL problems out there regarding, the, uh, you know, in athletes, especially now your your tackles, your offensive tackles in, on the, in football are a lot of ACL repairs. Uh, you know, they're six foot eight, 340 pounds, 350 pounds. They're, you know, sand blocking out there. Their ankles are taped at 90 degrees. If you check flexion <laughs> on a line in the football, it's pretty bad, you know. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it, something's going to give. When that knee, when that ankle's locked in and it like casted and uh, with the tape, something else is going to go. Yeah. So um, you you could just keep on going from there. When the knees hurt, that's going to go up to the hip. Yeah. So and then that's what I was going to say. I mean, then I mean, most of your back problems are usually hip issues, aren't they? Because the, the hips are locked up, so the back starts moving. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But remember, your pelvic bone is like a pair of underwear. Okay. Picture it in three D, and uh, you, they, they can go anterior, posterior, ischolateral, or they can go spiral diagonal. They can, wherever the strongest, the most antagonist thing is pulling at it, okay, and, and, and the other one's letting go, it's, that's where the hip's going to be. So you'll see with people, one leg a little longer than the other, and blah, 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 you know, their, their hips are in a weird spot, and their hamsters are always hurting, they're always snapping them, you know, or they're, you know, they have no adductors working, no medial glutes working, it's a mess. You know, and then not to mention you get the QL muscle in the lower back, you know, uh, which is directly pulling on the pelvic bone. We've got some, uh, you know, we've got some problems. So, um, I mean, I could go on all night about this stuff, but <laughs> it's, it's, you know, <laughs> it's, it's simple. It's really easy to fix. That's the thing. It's, it's not, you know, I, I call myself performance therapy, and that means I don't want to talk about physical therapy. I don't want to build you back from an injury. That's, that's not my job, you know. My job is to keep you from going there. I don't want you hurt. I want you to perform. I want you to dominate and reign supreme. So if that's the case, why the hell do I want to always fix you from an injury? We don't want the injuries taking place. We want a sound shoulder. We want sound hips. You know, we want sound ankles. And everything else is copacetic. Here's one for you. I mean, there's kind of two camps right now, and I've seen all this. You know, we all know social media and stuff like that, and you've got everybody getting in pissing matches. Right now there's two camps as far as mobility and stuff goes. I, I see a group of people saying, oh, you know, all these guys doing mobility and foam roller work and this and that they're they're just they're at their you know they're they're just weak and they're spending all this time doing mobility work and then the mobility side you know you've got them saying that where do you strike a balance i mean how much what would you say an average person you know a powerlifter no matter what i got to get in and train you know i've got to yeah. spend the brunt of my right. time under heavy weight what's what's right. the minimum or the optimal amount of time you think that i can I can get away with spending on using some bands, using some foam rollers and stuff like that, and, and, and mobility work. Yeah, I, I would say once you know what you're doing, you shouldn't really be spending 10, 15 minutes on that stuff prior to training. So, um, you know, some people, it depends on your age and stuff, maybe going to be a little bit longer, but uh, uh, it's, it's not a whole lot of work. It's just consistency, just like the diet, you know, uh, you know, I can eat like a bodybuilder for two days and feel great, and then eat like I used to when I powered it. And you know, like that that goes out of the window. So you you need to stay on top of this stuff. And and like my circle of friends here, they're you know they're so used to not being injured and nothing happening to them that you know they take it for granted. You know, and so that's how I want it though. You know, that's where we want to be. So and to get to your group thing, you know, you're talking about this group of people. You know, or uh, that, if you look at your, like, if you take strongman, for instance, and then competitive powerlifters and the, the tops of the weight classes, they need some heavy-duty stuff, you know. Um, 
so so we're going to spend a little bit more time. They have a lot more muscle. They have a lot more drive. They're more focused. I mean, they've got a lot more things. When we're dealing with CrossFit and stuff and people who aren't really like national CrossFit competitors, I'm talking about the average CrossFit goer, you know, they need to they need to spend a little bit of time on this stuff and uh, to prepare their body for, for trauma. You know, I mean, you've got a, a guy and a girl that haven't done a whole lot and now they're going into Olympic lifting. So the, the trainers at CrossFit need to really uh, know that and and just you know make sure that they're correct in everything that they're doing so they don't tear their rotator cuff so. <clears throat> right so uh, yeah so you're, so you're saying it's more of a consistency thing than it is going in and doing an hour's worth of work you know if you put in 10 15 minutes a day or, or whatnot yeah I 10 minutes I mean 10 minutes is as much as we go on a daily basis uh, I, you know we don't do more than that but but our time is dedicated to training yeah. you know but again <laughs> we're not in that position to rehab all the time I, yeah. the word rehab and the word physical therapy or the word physical therapy that's that means something's wrong yes. and you're in a state underneath where you need you need to get back to normal your normal to move ahead so we try to you know we don't want to be there I don't want to be injured I don't want any things snapping or popping or cracking you know I, I want things working properly and do the best with what you have hey I've got three I got two rods in my back and three screws on a plate okay well you still have to move you know yeah. I mean you're not going to be put on a shrine and just look you know people stare at you you still have to move around so there's, there's still things you can do even though you have hardware inside you you know you have to keep moving so so what do you do what's your most common thing that you do for I mean one of the things I see and it's, uh, hell, I see it in some lifters, but definitely in gen pop people that come in here for the first time. Damn near everybody in the world now is, you know, severely in, internally rotated in their shoulders. Um, yep. Their shoulders are rolled forward. What, what's your first thing you do to get to get around that? Um, you know, I, I think the, you can correct me if you disagree with this, by the way. I think you need to make them aware of it. I don't think they know. They, you see a turtle rotation to a, a, a lane, and they're like, what the hell did you just say? You know, and what's that mean? So you need to explain exactly what's going on to them, with them and why it's not good. And here, let's say, and then snap at them every time you see them. Hey, you know, and we really need to start in our high schools. I mean, it's bad, you know. And, uh, you know, uh, the Billy Manners thing of the old days needs to come back where they take a ruler and smack you when you're not sitting <laughs> upright. You know, yeah. they smack your yeah. shoulders, you know. That's something, and pow! You know, those are those are things that we really need to get back to, and because we're getting, um, you know, uh, if you guys remember this, I don't know how old you are, and you don't have to tell me, but prior to 1990s, early 90s, you never heard of a slap tear, you know, of a labrum tear in the shoulder. You just didn't hear that much. Yeah. Now it's a very common procedure, slap tear repair. All right, why is that? Well, the the cell phone and the computer came out right about then, and the cell phone right after. Our kids are literally internally rotated full time playing video games yeah. or on the computer. You follow me? Yeah. So it's just go to your high schools and look at the posture, everybody. It's, it's pathetic. You yeah, know, so. no, and I'd say that, I mean, this is the first generation, because I work with a lot of kids too. It's, it's the first generation that we have where, I mean, a lot of them just have zero body awareness, they don't know how to use right. them. <laughs> and yeah, I, I get you. I mean, it's that, that's the first thing is, you know, with somebody like that, it's just, Making them aware, it's like, yeah, you know, you can step forward with that left foot and turn a little bit, and level, you know. <laughs> no, and I like you. You'll see. You guys know? see the. You guys see the guys whose um, whose uh, their legs are um, 
you know, the, 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 their adductors are completely, they're not even, they're not even evident, you know, and they, their ass is flat. We call it no ass at all. Yeah. And they're walking like a duck. Just go to Walmart and watch people walk around. You'll see what I'm talking about. And, uh, and you, they got this terrible posture. They're no ass at all. They're, some of them are, you know, um, you know, <laughs> hyperkyphotic, some are hyperlordotic. So you, you don't, you know, you just got all these problems, right? And they're just not aware. That's just their natural state. And, uh, and and when you start training, you go into a power stance, you know. So, you, you, correct. I mean, check that picture of you out with the the, the holiday card. Yeah. You were still, you know, you were lying out. You're still in a power stance. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> Good stuff. Um, what else do you want to touch on? You got some seminars coming up here in the next month or so that people can learn about? Yeah, I'm going to um, Fort Bragg with Michelle Benedict. Um, she, we're going to go to her new CrossFit facility and do um, a clinic up there on uh, on you know flossing and compression and uh, a lot of lower back stuff, hips and ankles. And then um, we're going to probably go one or two days up there. And then I'll go to Pittsburgh a week after that to the monster uh, monster bench uh, press together with uh, Michael Fito. I don't know how to say his last name. It's like a long Italian name, so I'm not going to it. So I'll be in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania then, and then I go to Long Island the 18th of and 19th of uh, April. And I'll be in Long Island then, and I go back to Long Island in May, and I'm going somewhere else. I'll get to two other states, too. I can't remember where, but I'll be I'm, – I'm getting pretty busy. Yeah, and, uh, that sounds good. And those things last – I mean, they last eight hours. You know, we say four. Yeah. But unless someone keeps us on track, and people linger on for treatment afterwards, you know, and and uh, you know, nobody really knows how to do this stuff, so they learn it and then they go, you know. So, um, you know, I get all this feedback after they're all showing me what they're doing and how good they're doing, and I kind of like that, you know, it's kind of cool. So, can everybody but, find this out online? Is there, you know, what? Yeah, I don't, I don't have a, a website. I, I just never bothered to get one. Okay. But I, I'm on Facebook, Donnie Thompson on Facebook, and. Uh, and Super D Productions okay. on Facebook and uh, Super D TV 3000 I have all my videos I do yeah and my email's on there so they can email me anytime they want you gotta everybody I, I urge everybody to send Donnie pictures of yourself in compromised situations yeah um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I love them I love them yeah. especially with a Christmas, a Christmas uh, Santa hat on yeah there you go so, uh, you know, what else do you want to touch on? I mean, I think there's, you know, some mobility stuff. you got the seminars coming up. I'm hopefully going to be Well, you know, uh, we use the word mobility. I think we need to come up with a more hardcore term, you know, just something, uh, uh, you know, like a, something that, that encapsulates mobility and range of motion and, and um, positioning, um, any of those things. And if you guys could come up with a fancy word, that would be great. You know, cause, uh, well, mobility is uh, better than flexibility. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's but boy, man, mobility's been overplayed. You yeah, know, and uh, and mobility is a general term. So yeah. you know, we need to come up with something better. And uh, and I'll tell you another thing. I don't know. Dick Hartle came up with the um, with the compression band back in 2007. And I was one of the first ones to learn from him. And I've been doing that stuff since those days. I'm a little best at that stuff. I'm not bragging about that. I'm just telling you, I love that compression. When I saw that band, I fell in love because that's just told me. I could keep lifting and doing my chest, and not just for an injury, but you know, you could press like an adventurer who's really or a uh, a strong man with the overhead stuff. When we when we compress the elbows after they're done or before they go or both, 
man, the performance district is we're just getting a ton of blood into the area. You know, shoulders the same way, knees the same way before and after squats. I mean, it is just incredible the stuff that floss, you know, uh, Kelly Stair came on that term flossing, which is, sounds a lot better than compression, I think. And um, <laughs> so the flossing thing is just incredible. But there's not a lot of people that know how to do it. You know, it's, uh, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to teach as many people as I can. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really, if you know how to wrap a knee for power to thing or for, for uh, you know, uh, to, you know, the general knee wrap, every bodybuilder in the country knows how to do that. You can, you know, you can use a compression band. It's not, it's not that hard. Hmm. And, and man, it opens up a world to you of, uh, of, uh, performance related things. That sounds good. I think we'll let you go because I know you're a busy man. Um, I've got a paint tonight. I'm painting. A, we're, we're trying to open up, trying to paint, but I missed the show the last time. So, oh, that's what I it's yeah. A, yeah, I understand totally. Um, I just know we had a lot of listeners that were looking forward to it, so I'm glad we were able to catch up with you. <clears throat> yeah, um, it's just it, you get these things. Just remember the ankles, the hips, and the shoulders. You cannot, you are born with you know one set of each, okay? So, you know, the ankles and the hips, like, are loaded. The shoulder is not loaded. Just, so that's why there's differences, all right? So with, with knowing that, you need to take care of them. So when you're when you when you don't want to, uh, you know, do this and do that to prep right, and you get say a small touch of trochanteric bursitis, you can't walk up a stair. You know, uh, shame on you. You know, you did that to yourself. There's no need to suffer like that. You know, none. So that's uh, that's the big thing I have. It's just take care of yourself. You know, you, you can't replace those things. Cheers, bud. Well, we will catch up with you another time, and I'll get a hold of you here soon. We'll kind of try and get you lined up to come out here like we were talking about and go from there. All righty. Well, I appreciate you and, and Lonnie having me on. Yeah, yeah thank thanks. you. Have a good day. Get your facility up and going. I will. I will. Right. We'll have some good videos coming out of here. Sweet. Cool. Uh, the first one will dedicate to yourself to butt walk. There okay. we go. There we go. <laughs> if, if I get you up here, me and you, we're going to have a pose off. I'm going to pull out my, my posing shorts that I don't really have. Oh, my God. Yeah, and we're going out. Oh, yeah. I'll put. I, I can't really do a lot of the poses, you know, because I start cramping. But I will definitely take you up on that one. Big time. You guys are getting going to get too pretty. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna have to pay for admission. Hey, Lusher is it? Is there? Oh, is that possible? Is that even possible? <laughs> <laughs> so, thanks a lot. We'll talk okay. to you later. Take care. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. Okay, I'll tell you what, um, everybody. Let's. We're gonna go to break. Phil and I are gonna come back and. Um, we're going to have our topic of the day. It's a little bit unrelated, but uh, yeah, that was that was a cool conversation. So we'll be back in a bit. Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, if you simply Google CRC Press in protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for $69. US So that's 31% off the $99.95 uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. $69, I think that's going to 
drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people, and you can even rent it. Uh, lower down the page, they have 180-day rentals and one-year rentals, so you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So, thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, We'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes – we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right, everybody, we are back after our discussion with uh, Donnie Thompson. Over the break, we were just saying how, you know, he's yet another uh, guest on Iron Radio here that just shatters a lot of the stereotypes. You know, here's arguably the strongest man alive. And, uh, you know, he's, he's got a doctorate in physical therapy and, he, you know, he's just well-spoken and uh, got his act together, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, anyway, our topic today is going to be choosing a federation. Uh, or even picking a meet or a show, if you want to consider it that way in bodybuilding. In fact, Rob and I have talked about before about it's funny how in powerlifting it's a meet, almost like an athletic event, like a wrestling meet. Um, in bodybuilding, it's a show, and that makes it sound almost like it's a big time wrestling event, yeah. <laughs> you know. Unfortunately, but uh, I always liked how Arnold just called them competitions, you know, yeah. um, because that's what they are. You're competing, but. All right, so a couple of questions I can bounce off of you here, Phil. You started your own federation. I guess we'll start in the obvious uh, part. Why? Why did you do um, that? Gosh, I finally decided to do that when a several-fold thing. Um, me and some friends of mine, uh, other coaches, fairly big-name coaches in the, in the realm of things, was um, how... We just talked a lot, and we were all competitive powerlifters, or, or were, and there was this huge influx of all of a sudden, you go to a meet, and every single person walks away with a freaking trophy, um, and we were just a, a, a bit disgusted with that. You know, it goes along the whole lines of, you know, elementary schools now, everybody gets a, a, a participation award. There's no first place type of thing. And just so it was that, the dumbing down of, of first place. Uh, how can you be first when everybody's first? Yeah, devaluing kind of. And, yeah, and then uh, the cost. The, the cost just, that was the, the final straw that made me just say, okay, I'm doing it. Um, when I brought 18 lifters up to a meet in, in Branson, Missouri, 
And aside from, without travel or anything, it cost us $120 to do the meet. And, you know, they had 45-pound plates that weren't the right height. Um, so subpar equipment, and we're paying $120 to do this, and then you, you get a, a little plastic trophy at the end, and that's about it. Um, yeah. It's just getting a little outrageous. Everybody's trying to get rich off of it. And there's 700 freaking feds, and they're all trying to get rich, and they're all trying to stick with each other. Um, and you, you see, you know, hell, there's one federation that has like four nationals meets a year. It's like, how, how can it be nationals when you have four of them? Um, and it's just so they can bunch up trophies and get people to pay more money. And you know, I just got a little disgusted with that and wanted to bring something back that was more geared towards the athlete. It's like, did anybody come and compete in? And you're not going to, we're not going to charge you an arm and a leg. And, you know, one person walks away winning. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And you, you get a shirt, so everybody gets something. But you don't get this, hey, I did it type thing. It's, yeah, you get you get a shirt for showing up. Um, but one person wins, you know. Yeah. Type thing. Now, and, in uh, bodybuilding, there's always the overall winner, you know. Yeah. So that's kind of built in. But you know what? I mean, uh, like the National Physique Committee uh, – you know, that's what, sort of the premier uh, committee, open competitions, right? They have natural events. They have open events, of course. And uh, But I'm looking at one right now for a, a, a competition that I have <coughs> competed in before. There are eight men's classes and 11 women's classes. And that's kind of what you're saying. You know what I mean? There's open, novice, masters, and you know, uh, mid, mid-age masters, older masters, really old masters. Yes. You know, and on the women's side, there's open, novice, um, figure, bikini, you know, uh, masters, figure, open fitness, open bikini, masters. I mean, you know, it's it's it's, a, it's, it's kind of the same thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's all about. I mean, honestly, it's great to have more avenues for people to compete a bit, but it, it ended up what it turned into in powerlifting, at least, is just these these trophy collectors, and they're trophies that mean nothing. You know, if you're the the red-haired, 148-pound class, 45 and older guy, come on, dude. There's one of you, <laughs> no right. matter what. Yeah. So it, it's just devaluing first place. And it's, you know, so I moved mine into we've got open and we've got juniors. And that's it. You know, because I know plenty of stuff. I mean, we just had Donnie on the show just now. He's classified as a master. The guy's. It was he was forty five years old when he hit his three thousand pound total. Right. There's plenty of forty five and fifty year old dudes that are damn strong. You know? Yeah. And you know maybe yeah. that's um, like I know when I competed in the Mister Midwest. I mean a lot of us were um, cross competing. You know what I mean? Like you're in the Masters, but the Masters guys were all doing very well, like top five placers in the Open. Yeah. And that kind of begs the question, doesn't it? Then maybe we shouldn't be Masters. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean. Well, and yeah, you get that too, and and that's the other thing that's annoying about these the federations and powerlifting leases. You can cross, and it's a way for them to raise more money, and that's why I think all these these classes are more money. It's just driven behind more capital. Oh yeah, is that I can go into a powerlifting meet and I can go open, I can go submaster, I can go full meet, bench only, push pull, and. You know, probably something else. So, I mean, I can I can enter five different things. Each of them has an entry fee, of course. Yes. And each of them has a trophy. Yep. So, um, you get two things going on. These guys that are signing up for different classes just so they can collect some fake plastic piece of hardware. Well, it's I think, in a way, yeah. that's almost the business model. Because I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, 
it's seventy five dollars. I'm looking at the application right yeah. here on my screen for each each division exactly. that you that you enter. So yeah. you know, and it's one hundred and twenty dollars to become a member of the NPC. Yeah. You know, and then you've got every um, federation. It seems like it's a lot like with professional groups, and I bet Donnie could back us up on this, but. You're only legitimate if you're one of us, you know, and by the time you're uh, in your 40s, you're kind of sick of hearing that, you know, you jump through so many hoops, you do through so many certifications or you compete in so (coughs) many federations. Everybody's kind of got the same spiel, which is you're only legit if you're one of us. And I'm I don't know. I maybe I'm salty. I'm tired of hearing about that. No. And that's the other thing that I got tired of, too, is and the reason I started up what we did is, you know, in powerlifting, there's Scott, I'd have to go on and look. There's more than. There's 30 or 40 federations in the United States. Mm. Um, and every one of them has their own national and world records. And so what I did is, luckily, those guys, whoever, the guys running Powerlifting Watch, um, they've compiled them all to the real world record. So they looked across all the federation. They have a list of, here's the top squat in this weight class under these conditions. And it did no, no matter the federation. Okay. So those are our national records. What about judging differences, though? Are there? How different are the judging criteria? Yeah, definitely. There can be different, but it's not huge. It's still in every fed. You know, they call them different ways. Um, you know, there's some federations out there that are that are, are known for letting high squats walk and stuff like that. But, I mean, as far as it goes, it's the wording of the rules. It's always usually you have to break parallel. You know, you got to pause your bench. No hitching, no ramping on deadlift, things like that. So, and I, you know, there's a couple of federations that are way out there and, you know, they're getting to the point where they're nitpicky and then a few of them just don't follow the rules much and let, let lifts walk. You know, I kind of cut it down the middle. We went with very minimal rules, the base rules, but we're also going to judge those, uh, strictly, you know? Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I wouldn't end to somebody coming in to collect a fake world record. If you want it, if you want the 220 pound weight class deadlift record, Dude, you're gonna have to be dead cone. I'm not gonna call you a, a deadlift world record holder unless you can beat the, the highest ever done by a man in that right. weight class. Despite you know? the marketing potential, so, right? Because that's yeah, that's what draws the them, isn't it? Potential. And you know, the, I left Kansas records open, state records open, because I mean that's uh, for a couple reasons. I can't sit down and go federation to federation and figure out who the actual highest lift is in that class, and it's a state record. Yeah. So it's not national world. The other thing that gets to me is all these, I mean, I don't have a worlds in my federation. Um, But there's umpteen hundred freaking federations out there that have something that's called a worlds. And you go to it and you go look at their records and no one has ever lifted it out of the United States. Yes. So how can it be a worlds? Right. Um, And I'll be the first person to say, I mean, to me, the pinnacle of powerlifting right now, um, is IPF. You know, okay, you yeah. look at their records and like four of them are from America and the rest of them are for all around the world. You know, that's right. a real world. Right. You go to a world yes. and it's like 10 people from Oklahoma and three from Ohio. Sorry, dude, that's not the world. You know, Phil, this, <laughs> it reminds me very much like uh, when I was in my early 20s, uh, I was doing full contact Taekwondo tournaments. And I remember one, the year that I won the Eastern U.S. and Canada, I think there was 28 people in my class or something. That's not all of the Eastern U.S. and Canada. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, these uh, it's almost like hyperbole. You know, it's like this sort of boasting on behalf of the Federation. We have the ultimate heavy record, you know. And, yeah, when you look across how many people actually compete, it's like how can you call that a world? I mean, you could slap any name you want or you can use your – 
you can say that you've got the best lift or the world record, but it's really nothing but self-serving marketing as opposed to being honest with the athletes and saying, well, you know, yeah, I don't think we're going to call it that because that's really not what that is. You know, when when you've got a a dozen people in your class, I don't know how you can call that a national event or a world unless they're all quality, you know, like the Mr. Olympia, I think was uh, created in a lot of ways to take all the Mr. Universes and see who was the best, you know, at least in the old days. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying uh, my federation isn't for anybody, for everybody. You know, I, I'll never say that. And I tell my people, go, go compete on the federations. I've competed in them all damn near. So um, I'd, I'd be a hypocrite if I told somebody not to. Um, mine is, a, it's a very mature federation. You have to not be in it for a trophy. You know, um, which most of the older season lifters are. I mean, I know every, anything I've gathered in the last 10 years of late, I just you throw it away or I give it to my daughter. It doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah, no, I'm I in hear there you. The, I'm in there to beat myself, what I'm trying to do every meet. I'm going yeah. in there and trying to do better than I did before. If I end up winning, great. If I don't, eh, that's okay. I did better than me. You know, you know we've talked about this before. Uh, I keep I keep my trophies because they're a – in a way, they're a reminder of an experience I had, but they're in a box in my garage. Exactly. I mean, I, I feel almost disrespectful <coughs> if I were to just smash it or throw it away, yeah. you know, because the event person, the organizer, went to a lot of, I don't know, effort, I think, to do that, that sort of thing. But uh, but, yeah. but I hear you. It's not like, uh, yeah, the whole trophy cabinet kind of thing. That's not that's not. No, for and me, that's not why I'm know? doing it. Yeah. You know, I mean, if, now if I ever, you know, come up and actually break an American record, a real American record – or further, yeah, I'm going to be damn proud of that. Well, Phil, you, you know, know, if you but, ever get 800 pounds off the ground, oh, you, yeah, you got to put that. that on a mantle somewhere, you know, yeah. because that's like yeah. a that's a bucket list for you at this point, I think, yeah, you know. Is. So, and that's that's still, you know, I'm definitely still working for that and going for it. I've been really, really, really close, especially for a dude that essentially has one leg. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you keep going so, like you do, your squat's going to be up there by your deadlift. Then you're going to be know, you're going to be conflicted. Crazy, which I never thought <laughs> you're going to be uh, conflicted. You know, so, I wouldn't have thought they'd either. No offense, but years ago. I wouldn't have thought that, my God, Phil Squat's going to approach his deadlift. Yeah, I you know. Never, yeah, I, I, and especially after my hip went bad, you know. So, um, yeah, I know that's an amazing thing. But um, Okay, a couple more questions here. Uh, what about choosing an event? What, what advice would you have for someone who's going to pick a contest? I mean, because we're all big fans of put your name on the dotted line, so to speak. You know what I mean? That way you got a countdown that you can program around and all that sort of thing. Uh what are your tips I mean, about if that? Somebody doing a first one, yeah. You know, just find one close to home to where you're not stressed out over travel and stuff like that. Find one as close as you can and go to a small one. You know, if you can go to, don't step in and like go to an open nationals meet or something. Um, try and find one that's a little smaller and you know one that you kind of agree with their their rules. You know, I mean, it's it's odd if you go to like I wouldn't have a, a first time raw person go enter a big, you know, SPF or APF meet. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I, I lived in the APF for a long time, and it was the reason I wouldn't have a new raw person do it would be a lot of times I was the only raw dude there. So you're going to feel a little left out. You're going to feel a little alone and stuff like that. So try, try and find one that's that's that has a lot of lifters. How do you do that in powerlifting? Because let me just give the bodybuilding analogy. Even in the NPC, and I don't want to just talk about them, but I'm just most familiar with them. Again, maybe because I grew up watching that and it's a stepping stone to the ISBB and all that I always considered that like the most legitimate but again that's me being indoctrinated you know but they have novice events like if you haven't won an overall before 
uh, a novice competition is a great place to start. Or certainly you wouldn't want to jump into a national qualifier. Like the competitions that I have done most recently and not very recently, but, you know, I've kind of graduated to their national qualifier. So you're talking about anywhere from a dozen to 25 people in in a class. And, I mean, these guys are pretty serious, you know, as opposed to a a tiny novice event. So we have that sort of novice moniker, uh, you know, that you can attach to a show. Um, What's the equivalent in powerlifting? Or do you just have to go attend a few and get a feel for it? Yeah, I mean, go to a state meet. Generally, any state meet is a small-time meet. You know, even if the state champion, it's just it's a meet for that state. You know, so um, generally it's just going to be people from around that area, things like that. That's always a good one, or one that's just not called a nationals. I mean, my federation, if you want to do nationals, sorry, dude, you got to qualify. Okay, so yeah. you get an invite. Yep. Um, some of the federations you can just show up to nationals, um, and uh, you know, so I'd go to one of the smaller meets and. Uh, well, that, that's how you find them. I'm Do they state. have national qualifiers, though? I mean, like, I would have to place on the top two in my class in a national qualifier to yeah, even go on to the, the junior nats. You have a uh, the most cre- most of the credible federations. There's a, a way to qualify, and a lot of times it's to do with your total versus everybody else. Like, and for us, you have to be the top three in your weight class. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, the top three in every weight class gets invited um, over the totals for the entire year of every meet besides the nationals. So, um, in the minute I, I can say I could I can see that's why you have to be, um, uh, you have to condense and not have a hundred divisions because then everybody would be qualifying for the nationals because everybody would be at a top three in something. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, but other than that, I mean, no, it's just I mean, most meets are going to be friendly enough um, for most federations. I mean, as long as it's not called a nationals, and the better federations, you, you you can't go anyways. So even if you go to a nationals for you know certain federations that I won't name, it's going to be a small time meeting. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, my biggest pet peeve is one that we've talked about before is, uh, and it's not on the federations; it's on the people going to them. Um, pick one that fits you and your how do I put it? Um, supplement choices. Yes. <sighs> Nothing gets me more angered than, you know, there are federations that allow the use of, of certain supplements and federations that blatantly don't. Right. If you're if you're choosing to use those supplements, don't hide it and go to one where you're not supposed to. You have an avenue to compete in. Go compete against those people. You know? Um yeah, and I, I and I have nothing against anybody that does. I mean, I'd, I'd be a hypocrite if I did. I'd, most of my great friends are, are big supplement users. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, performance uh, enhancing uh, yeah, advocates. Performance enhancing, <laughs> you know, exactly. So, but they also lift within organizations that allow that and don't. It's not against the rules. I can't imagine any. Uh, Man, uh, well, I don't want to sound sexy, or noble woman walk into a meet who's using performance enhancers and feel good about outlifting or outcompeting on a bodybuilding stage someone who's not. You know exactly. what I mean? That's that's like, so embarrassing. Why would exactly. that's such that's the <clears throat> cheater to me? That's the cheater. Yeah. You know. So other than that, I mean, I tell people just, and I urge them to all the time. I don't know. Find one close to sign up and do it. Who cares what federation it is? You can work that out later because most of them are going to be real close. Um, you know, look for one that doesn't cost an arm and a leg. You know, and just go in and have fun. I mean, I think I've had a good time in most every federation I've lived in. 
from the APF to the APA to the SPF to the, you know, I judge for Nassau. Um, and I have, I, I have beef with, with, with several federations, but it's my own personal choice, and I don't need to air that out, you know. Okay. I'll yeah. let you make your own choice. I mean, if you want to lift it in the USSF, that's fine. I'd love to have you. Um, you're going to have to squat below parallel, and you're not going to win money unless you're first. But we'll congratulate you. Y'all announce it. Hey, you're first in your weight class, or your fifth in your weight class, or whatever you want. And, you know, but. Right. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Would you, just, would you suggest that people should um, go with a small group if possible, like train training buddies and that sort of thing? Yeah, if you can. It's, it's pretty stressful if you go by yourself. But, I mean, honestly, usually at most of these meets, if you're there by yourself, I mean, my team's real good at it. Well, if we see somebody that's alone, and evidently, you know, we'll, we'll take them under our wing and help them out. That's cool. And you'll find that. Usually, you'll find somebody that does that everywhere. I mean, almost all the meets we've went to, it's like, oh, man, look at that guy over there. He's alone. You can tell he's a young kid. He's never done this before. Let's bring him over here. We'll help him That's out. right. Because you know what? Um, the, the guy's got a pair of balls for doing that. Exactly. So, you know? I mean, I wouldn't be too scared about that. I did my first meets by myself. Um, and, yeah, I mean, as long as you... Just be open and go ask. Hey, man, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you give me a hand? And usually somebody's there is going to be nice enough to, to, to lend a hand. I mean, there, there are more people like Donnie Thompson in the in the sport than there are, you know, assholes. Yeah. You know, you know Donnie's just a nice guy. Yeah, you can. Um, so there's a lot more of those than there are the other. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just go in and, go in and have fun. And I think that's, that's what lacks now is too many people. They're, they're putting too much weight in this thing. In the end, it's powerless. Well, you know, that's not- that's why I've always been an advocate. And, again, I don't want to sound like an excuse maker or a loser in some way, but I like the idea of a warm-up event where you go in and psychologically you're saying – well, in bodybuilding it's easy because, you know, you're um, – you might be 12 or 15 weeks into a 20-week diet. So, you know, you're yeah. not quite there, you know. Um, and then – like I remember when I was at the upper Midwest, the guy said, you know – you, you have really good proportion. You just look like you're maybe two or three weeks out. I said, I am <laughs> two or three <laughs> weeks out. This isn't my – he goes, oh, okay. And to me that – but then you get your feet wet. You know what I mean? Um, you know – like you're going with a, a certain goal maybe. Like maybe you're just going to try to make the top five in that first one. You know what I mean? And not necessarily win at all. And you know, I'll tell you what. That takes some of the pressure off of you. Yeah. You know? And I like to travel uh, for that stuff. I mean – it, I don't have any problem making a six-hour drive. Uh, you've given good advice about this before. Get your ass there a, a good day in advance, oh, yeah. you know, and get used to your surroundings and all that sort of thing. But um, that it's fun, you know. Uh, I was up in Fargo, down in St. Louis, driving all over the Midwest, you know, in uh, in Canton, in, you know, here in Ohio, and that was it. Made it kind of a I don't know. I don't want to say vacation, not really like that, but you know, it was an exploration. It made it like an yeah. event, and it was it was fun that way, you know. <clears throat> and that's yeah, I, I I've traveled for meets, and I don't mind it, but I mean, it's definitely it's something a little different in powerlifting and to get used to. Um, traveling tends to take it out of you a bit more when you're talking performance versus. That's a good uh, point. Yep. You know, getting on stage and, and flexing and hitting your poses. Yeah. You know, if I'm going to hit a max squat and I just put 16 hours in the car, my hips are pretty beat up. Although I will say this. I mean, I got really tired of driving around with bags and bags of chicken breasts and yams, <laughs> you know, and distilled water. You know, yeah. the people out there who have done it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, you're driving past McDonald's, you know, and I don't know. Yeah, you're just eating dry chicken breasts. You're dehydrated because you're, you know, you're purposely dehydrated. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, uh, I wouldn't cut. 
I tell anybody doing a first meet, don't cut for it. Just go in and weigh what you weigh. You don't need that added stress. That's interesting. Okay. For a first meet. You got enough stress on you. So, and it's most likely if this is your first meet, you're not going to go in and break any records anyway. So it's not going to matter if you cut down to the, you know, next weight class. So go in and set a total. Get it out of the way. Go have fun. Yeah. Anything you do is going to be a competition PR. It is. And that's (laughs) that's the thing. You got to realize that your slate is clean. You have nothing. And anybody that tells you that a gym PR is the same as a meat PR, no, it's not. I mean, that's, and that's another reason why I've just, I've been always attempting my 800 in a meet. Because I think there's been a couple times where I had it in the gym shortly before me. And I was like, no, I'm saving it. <laughs> you know? Okay. Yeah. And now I'm to the point where it's, I'm just going to take it next time I get a chance. Well, and on a, on a lower <laughs> level too. Yeah, I can see that, right? Here's my goal. And, you know, I'd say shave a good 10%, 15% off of it so you can meet with success. Yes. You know, because otherwise if you go in and you miss all your openers, that's got to be so demoralizing. You might not compete again. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah. I'd go light on your first meet. You know, my goal for most of my first meet people is go nine for nine. We're going to get all our lifts. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then after that, now we have something set in stone. Now we have something to beat. So, you know, then we'll go with an easy opener next time, and then we're trying to beat our best on our second attempt. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, so your, your follow-up meet, not only is it a success that brings you back, it's a fairly, for an, for an individual, it's a fairly low number that you can – yeah, realistically beat your next time. Yeah, now you can come beat it your next time. You yeah. know, on your second attempt next time, you're looking to beat your last attempt from the last meet. And then on the third one, okay, I've already got a meet PR. Now I can go for something crazy. You know? Right, yeah. Because I've already good. beat myself last time. But It's a healthy strategy, I think. So. Okay. Well, that's all I've got, really. I just thought it'd be fun to talk about choosing meets and events. and Because people who first talk, you know, they hear us talk about put your name on the dotted line and try something, you know... Uh, they might not even know where to begin, especially if they are the kind of guy who uh, a lot of our listeners have sent emails. You know this. That I, I lift in my garage or I don't have, you know, uh, a gym of like a team, you know, around me like you guys have uh, there in Kansas. And, you know, they might not even know where to begin. So I thought it might be kind of fun to talk about. And I wish we could go down a huge list, but you're right. I mean, bodybuilding and powerlifting, they're both. There's so many federations. How can you possibly keep track? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, like you said – Open competitions where anything goes, meaning performance-enhancing drugs and versus not, you know, um, novice versus you know, regional level or higher level stuff. I mean, yeah, don't throw yourself to the wolves. So, yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Until next week, everybody. Thanks a lot. Take care. Hey, sports nutrition fans, join us in beautiful Clearwater Beach, Florida, June 20 and 21 for the 11th Annual ISSN Conference and Expo. You'll learn the latest, greatest sports nutrition from the best minds in the business. Some of our speakers include Juan Carlos Santana, Dr. Mark Tarnopolsky, Gina Lombardi, and many, many more. You'll learn about intermittent fasting, how to exercise to offset poor eating, and also nutritional strategies for maintaining or gaining muscle mass. But the best part... You will get to rub elbows with the best scientists in the business. The ISSN, why would you go anywhere else? Go to www.theissn.org for more information. That's www.theissn.org for more info. See you there.
Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.